Psalm 32, if you want to uh, if you want to head there in your Bibles, there are also Bibles on your seat back in front of you if you don't have one. But I think this is a really fitting psalm to end on, to end the summer on. Um, it actually, it just holds a lot of the main themes of the psalms. It's actually, it's a short psalm, 11 verses, but you can't really nail down one one category of psalms. It's it could be a penitential psalm. It could be a psalm of thanksgiving, a psalm of wisdom, a psalm of the Messiah, since it captures the work of Jesus long before he would even live on the earth. It just covers so many of the different categories of psalms. So I think it's really a great way to end the summer. So I want to read through this psalm, and then we'll pray after that. Psalm 32, verse 1. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We seek your face, and we come together as this local body of believers, which you have seen fit to establish here in the north woods of Wisconsin. And we just recognize that we are desperate to hear from you, God to receive from your word. Father, I ask that your word would go before us and that, and that the words spoken this morning and the songs sung and the fellowship of this church would be nothing but truth, nothing but praise and honor and glory to your name. And we love you, God, and we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, today's message is going to be broken up into kind of two sections. The first part of the psalm, Psalm 32, is really zeroing in on just the theme of confession and repentance, while the last part of the psalm is kind of the result of that confession and repentance, which is our trust in God, our trust in his fatherly care for us. 
And so the first section that we come to is going to be verses 1 through 5. And in this section, we're just going to see the contrast brought about by the person who confesses their sin and lives in repentance versus the one who, who lives in unrepentant sin. And verses 1 and 2 say this, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. And so this is, this is describing the one whose sins are covered, whose sins are forgiven. And this is what I mentioned when I said it's a psalm, a psalm of the Messiah, this part of it. This is David writing the psalm through the Holy Spirit about the forgiveness of sins. And this is long before Jesus would come. And that's where we see this forgiveness of sins clearly in the cross of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus taking upon himself the sins of the world. And this is key right here, the the sins of the past, the present, and the future. And so for someone like David who wrote this psalm and who would have lived prior to the cross of Christ, his words here are not nullified by the times he lived in. It was just as relevant as he wrote it then as it is now. And I saw an illustration once of the timeline of the Old and New Testaments spread out, kind of timeline here with a, with a sideways hourglass. I'll kind of, I should have it up on the screen here, but I'll just have to illustrate it for you. But, but if you can think of a sideways hourglass going across a uh, timeline of the Old and New Testaments, and this hourglass starts out big, and points to the cross of Christ. So this is the Old Testament points to the cross of Christ and his death and resurrection. And, that, and then from there, it widens out. And from there on through, through the New Testament, everything flows from the cross. The cross is the center of history. Um, so if you can just imagine that. Um, so we're here in the Psalms, we're over here on this timeline of the Old Testament as we're looking towards the cross. And so, I don't want us to get lost in the weeds too much there. I just wanted to point that out. Um, just that Jesus' blood and his forgiveness of sins is not only for those who believed after the, cr- after the cross, but, but for those who believed in God prior to the cross like David here. So as we're reading scripture and studying it, um, sometimes, sometimes we can be a little unsure of how to study it well and, and like even where to begin. But I just want to give a help, what I've found to be a helpful tip in studying and, and something we're going to be looking at here is just using cross-references. If you, can have a, if you have a Bible that has cross-references uh, for usually in the middle columns, but actually, there's this is a shameless plug over here in the in the hallway. We, ha- we have ESV study Bibles, and that's what I noticed as I was uh, reading this psalm earlier this week. Is that it says in those cross references that the first two verses here of our psalm are actually quoted in Romans in Romans chapter four, and so that was really helpful 
and I want to go and look at that right now. If you want to look up Romans chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. But yeah, cross-references are just a really great, uh, great way to see what's going on in how, how the verses that you're reading right away, um, just how they relate to other verses throughout the Bible. It kind of points you to that. So, so Romans chapter 4, we find ourselves just right in the middle of Paul writing about justification by faith alone, not by works. This is some really meaty material that explains the grace that God has lavished on us by saving us and making us righteous in his eyes through Jesus, but not because of anything we've done, only through the righteousness of Christ. So that's where we find ourselves in Romans here. And we're just going to look at how Paul quotes Psalm 32. We're not going to go into too much detail. But Romans 4, um, 4 verses, I'm sorry, where is it? 7 through 8. It says, Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. Actually, I think I'm starting a couple verses beforehand. And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. And then here he's going to set up the quotation. He says, Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works, and this is the quotation, it says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. So David talks about the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. And that's how Paul interprets these first two verses of Psalm 32 and connects them as an example to the topic of justification by faith, our being made righteous before God when we confess our sins. And so I know we've barely even gotten into Psalm 32, but but just take a little time to pause and ponder on that truth. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Have you placed your faith in Christ? Have you confessed your sins and laid them at the foot of the cross? If you have, your, your sins are forgiven and you are justified and made righteous through Jesus Christ. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> And so as we look at the next few verses of Psalm 32, it's going to be looking at this contrast of the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered, versus the one who keeps silent about their sins and goes on living in unrepentance. So verses 3 through 4 say this, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long, For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. And so this is the contrasting here. The one who keeps silent, who does not cry out to God asking for forgiveness, repenting of their sins, but stays silent. And here we have a great illustration, which is actually pretty applicable to us today. It says, my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. 
And we're kind of in that season of summer right now where there's not a lot of rain. The water levels around us, the rivers and lakes, they're drying up. And our lawns are <laughs> turning brown. And it's just a great illustration in this psalm of the spiritual state of our hearts when we continue to live in unrepentant sin. Our spiritual health and the state of our hearts can just shrivel up. And so one illustration of confessed versus unconfessed sin is, is this dryness. It's drying up and our strength, strength drying up in the heat of summer. And then another one that I want to look at here, another one that we see in scripture is that of light versus darkness. And I want us to look at 1 John 1, verses 5 through 10, which illustrates this light versus darkness concept of confessing our sins. And I'll give you a minute to turn there. It's 1 John uh, chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. It says this, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. All right, so in this passage, we're talking about kind of the same thing, just with the illustration of walking in the light versus walking in the darkness. And when, when we keep living in unrepentant sin, First John shows that we're walking in darkness. So what happens when we're walking in darkness, we, in, in the dark, when we're walking in the dark? We bump into things we can't see. We're disillusioned. We don't have a proper perspective of what's around us. I actually remember a time when I was young, uh, I got into a fist fight with my brother <laughs> over some really dumb argument as we're, as we're going to bed. And, and the most ridiculous thing about this <laughs> was that it was, it was pitch, pitch black. They, like, we couldn't see each other, and we're, like, swinging fists. Like, uh, I don't I think we each landed a couple good punches, but that's about all I can remember. It's just, just like, the ridiculous of that. It's like, all right, it's pitch black, can't see anything. We're trying to hit each other. It's like, it's just not working. So if you can think of that, it's just as we are walking in unrepentance and just the, it blinds us, blinds us to reality, blinds us to what, um, what we see around us. And yeah, that's, we're swinging into the darkness. <laughs> So this word in 1 John and also in Psalm 32, it's for us as believers just as much as it is for, for those who don't believe in Christ. And this passage in 1 John, 
is addressed to those who believe in Christ and yet they are living in unrepentant sin. And so we're charged here to walk in the light as he, as Jesus, is in the light. And we'll have fellowship with one another and, wo- and with Christ. So how do we walk in the light? We confess our sins to one another. We confess our sins before God. And this is a daily, continual thing. Psalm 32 Verse 5 says this. This is David saying, I acknowledged my sin to you, to God, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. When we confess our sins to God, he is faithful. Our God is quick to forgive. And I know there's been several Uh, discipleship groups that have formed here in this church, and we love to see more groups form. Um, And this is a great way to make confession a regular part of our lives, repentance. Just in groups of three to four people, people you can confide in, and we can just make this a regular recurring theme in our lives. Or between your spouse, you and your spouse, or you and a friend. to make confession and repentance normal in our lives. I think that, that's a great thing. And, and I can guarantee you, because this is a promise from God, as we saw in 1 John, a promise from God in his word, that when we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us of our unrighteousness. And this takes humility. This, isn't, this doesn't come natural to us. It takes humility and, yeah, uh, just sometimes even as, um, as we're accustomed to just the cold in the winter and the winter after winter, the ice and cold, <laughs> that, can be, that can sometimes be the state of our hearts. It's just um, where we keep things inside and, and we want to just hold things inside and not not bring it out into the open, but just encourage us here to not take that persona on when it comes to battling sin, that we can't bottle up our sins, we can't bottle up our anger, our resentment, our bitterness, um, but instead we need to open up our lives and our hearts to each other and to Jesus as we walk in the light and walk in repentance with each other. So that first section of Psalm 32 just kind of contrasts that picture, the repentant and unrepentant paths. And now we're just going to move to the second half of the psalm where we see a beautiful picture of the nearness of God who is trustworthy and loving towards us as we repent and as we walk in the light. And as a result of this life of confession and repentance, We're going to see our God who gives us rest and shelter. So verses 6 and 7 show us that God is a hiding place for those who trust in him. That even in the rushing of waters, our God is a protector and will not let it overtake us. When we repent of our sins and 
And when we live this life of repentance, when we're walking in the light, just as Jesus is in the light, our life is hidden with Christ. He's our great high priest who has gone before us and who intercedes on our behalf. And we are safe in God through Jesus. The safety is the result of Jesus's perfect, sinless sacrifice on the cross. And it's the reason that we have shelter and protection and safety in God, our hiding place. And we see in verses 7 through 8, moving on, that God surrounds us with shouts of deliverance and that he instructs us and teaches us in the way we should go. And this is where the psalm kind of turns to this wisdom category, wisdom psalm. And any, any dads out here, I want us want you to, I say us, I'm not a dad, I can't, that's why it's kind of weird. Um, I feel weird talking about this, but I want us to pay attention here to God as Father. Um, so we see God the Father as a hiding place, as a protector surrounding us, surrounding his family with enthusiastic shouts of deliverance and instructing them in the way they should go, instructing us, counseling them with his eye upon them. And so dads, as as leaders in your home, you're called to this very same thing, and, and you get to model after God the Father, the Father who protects and who lays down his life to deliver his family from trouble, and who does this not half-heartedly or passively, but with shouts of deliverance. And then who instructs and teaches in the way they should go. And that just reminds me of Proverbs 22.6, which says, Train up a child in the way they should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so just like parents are called to train up their children in in the Proverbs, we see here in Psalm 32 that God demonstrates this for us in the way that he cares for us and shelters us and trains us up, counseling us in wisdom. And then in verses 9 through 10, again, we're pointed back to the contrasting states of the righteous and the unrighteous as we see the wisdom and counsel of God, which says, be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit or bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. So we are exhorted here to trust in the Lord, to trust in the one who surrounds us with steadfast love, to trust in the one who is our hiding place, who shelters and teaches and trains us and delivers us with enthusiasm, with shouts of deliverance, who is the only perfect father. And in this psalm, we have these two themes of confession and repentance in the first half, and then trust in God as our father in the second half. And I want us to see the implications of this, of what this psalm is teaching And these themes are not just separate standalones. Uh, They're not uh, apart from each other. But as we repent of our sins and are justified through Jesus, 
are made righteous in Christ, our intercessor. We are brought into proper relationship with God the Father. And the relationship that was perfect at creation but broken at the fall is made new, is through the work of Jesus. It's made right. We're redeemed and brought back into proper relationship with the Father. And through the resurrection, we're given new life in the Holy Spirit who empowers us to live this life of repentance, this life walking in the light, repenting of our sins daily. And we have comfort and rest in God our Father who surrounds us with his steadfast love. And so these are some incredible truths. And I just, I'd encourage us to ponder these truths as we sing more songs, as we close out the service here. In the final verse of Psalm 32, verse 11, it says this, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. And this verse kind of caps off the psalm, and I think, it actually, I think it caps off our sermon series nicely, just with all the different psalms that we've covered in these last 15 or so weeks. It's a fitting exhortation to be glad and rejoice in our great God, to shout for joy and sing together of his great love for us. And one, one response as we close the service with singing, one response we can have is to lift up our hands in praise. This is a way of blessing the Lord, praising the Lord with our bodies. It doesn't make us any more spiritual than the next person, the person next to us, if, they're, if we're not raising our hands. That's not what it's about. It's not about appearances, but it's simply a, it's a biblical response to the goodness of our God as we praise him. And it's an outward expression of rejoicing and being glad in the Lord as we sing these songs together. Psalm 63, 3 through 4 uh, says this. It says, Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. And that word so in other translations could be Thus I will bless you, or in this way I will bless you. In your name I will lift up my hands. And that's just one example of, of many in how we can take this psalm and how we, can, uh, how we can be glad in the Lord, praise him with our lives. Um, yeah, so let's pray together as the worship team comes up as we close out this section of the service. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for just this summer of psalms that we finished up. And I just pray that these truths that we have heard, these exhortations that we've been given would land on our hearts. That we would glorify you with our lives just as Jesus glorified you perfectly with his life and his death and his resurrection, and ultimately his glorification. Father, I pray that we here at Springbrook would model this life of repentance and trust in you. That you would grant us just the humility and the brokenness 
to confess our sins to you, to to each other, and that we would walk in the light as you are in the light. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your steadfast love for us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.